0: First Corinthians, the second chapter, will begin with verse number 12 and uh, go through uh, chapter three, verse four. First, First Corinthians chapter 12, verse uh, excuse me, chapter two, verse 12. "We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us." This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. The title of my message today is, Who Are You? Who are you? Last week we talked about developing us into the person he wants us to be. But it's important first to understand who we are. Wouldn't you agree with that? Okay, well, hopefully you you will. (laughs) The question, who are you, can be answered a number of different ways. By referring to skin color or ethnicity, political persuasion, in terms of relationships, by what one does for a living, by one's hobbies, church affiliation, etc. You can go on and on. We can answer the question, who are you, in a number of different ways. In today's passage, Paul discusses three categories of people, categorizing them in terms of their relationship to spiritual things. So based on Paul's description of the three kinds of people, see how you would answer the question, who are you? See if you can find yourself in the following descriptions of three kinds of people. First of all, Might you answer the question, who are you, by saying you're a natural person? What is a natural person? Well, uh, in verse 14, the NIV, which is the translation that we're using today, refers to this type of person as the man without the spirit. The King James Version and New American Standard Bible translate the original Greek as the natural man. The natural man. And so we're using that designation today. Are you a natural man or natural person? Man, of course, is generic, means mankind. Are you a natural person? There are three characteristics that Paul shares here of the natural person. The first is this, is that the natural person is born only into the natural world. The natural person is born only into the natural world. The natural person has only one birth. That is the first birth, physical birth. He has not experienced the second birth. He is just simply a person as he is by nature. Schools may inform him. Man may reform him. But only Christ can transform him. And the natural man has not yet been transformed. He is simply a natural person. He's just like he is. He may be a professor, he may be a policeman, he may be a butcher, a banker, a salesman. He may be a good natural person, a bad natural person, a smart natural person, a dumb natural person, a rich natural uh, natural person, or a poor natural person, but he's a natural person. So he does what comes naturally, the only birth he's experienced is the normal, natural, physical birth. Former Vice President Nelson Rockefeller was talking about then-President Jimmy Carter who had said that he, publicly that he was born again. They asked Rockefeller about it and he said, well, Mr. Carter and I are of the same religion. Uh, but he said, I certainly haven't been born again. He said, I count myself lucky to have been born the first time. And that is the natural man. Doesn't matter if you go to church or don't go to church, if you're religious, quote unquote, or not religious. The natural man has only experienced the natural birth, only been born into uh, this physical world. What's the second characteristic of the natural person? He or she is, secondly, blind to the spiritual world. Blind to the spiritual world. Uh, You see, there are two worlds, but the natural person is blind to the spiritual world. He doesn't have an appreciation for spiritual things. Look in verse 14. It says, The man without the spirit, or the natural man, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. The words, does not accept, in English, uh, mean, doesn't welcome Uh, the things that come from the Spirit of God. Just like you receive a person into your house, you welcome them into your house. This natural person doesn't welcome spiritual things. He or she has no appreciation of spiritual things. Now, this doesn't mean that he doesn't have appreciation of some things. A natural person can come into a service like this and he can hear a sermon and if it's delivered, you know, reasonably well, he can say, well, I like to hear a good address. I like to hear someone who expresses himself. Uh, a natural person can appreciate good music uh, like we've heard this morning. He can appreciate our friendliness and uh, the good atmosphere. And we're a friendly people, aren't we? Yeah. Amen. This is a good atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah. natural person can appreciate those things. But he cannot appreciate or comprehend spiritual things. Look again in verse 14. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. He has no understanding of them. He can't know them. I don't care how smart he is or she is, they cannot figure it out. A spiritual message rolls off the natural person like water off a duck's back. Uh, he, He or she does not comprehend spiritual things. In John 8, 47, Jesus said, He who belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Oh, you can hear the sound. You can even take notes on a message. You hear the words, but you don't get the meaning. You don't understand. The natural person has no spiritual appreciation. The natural man, the natural woman has no spiritual comprehension. They don't have the apparatus to tune in. Boy, that, that explains a lot, doesn't it? You, you go, you go on, online and some article that deals with some moral issue, especially if it talks about Christians, you know, the most maligned people in society, right? read the comments. You ever do that? Read the comments at the end of the article. Man, there is a hatred for quote-unquote religion, for Christianity. Why? Because the natural man can't appreciate the things of the spirit, can't comprehend spiritual things. So the natural person is born only into the natural world, natural world, and blind to the spiritual world. Thirdly, the natural person is bound to the material world. He or she has no capacity for fellowship with God, and therefore his motto is, you only go through uh, once in life, grab all the gusto you can. Have you heard that or something similar? Of course you have. And that's what the natural person is living for. Gusto, satisfaction, pleasure. Basically to live a good dog's life. And you say, Pastor Tim, that's that's offensive. Well, let me explain. Do you know what a dog is satisfied with? Food, number one, something to eat, a warm place to sleep, some affection, you know, some pats and some rubs, uh, and some achievement now and then, catch a cat if they can. And that's about it, right? Does Does that sum it up? They're comfortable uh, with a place to sleep, food to eat, somebody to pet them, a sense of achievement, you know, catch a mouse, a cat, something like that, and they're happy. You know, dogs don't really think about dying. They don't worry about dying because they don't understand what that is. They don't really know what living is. Dogs just live a dog's life, and that's the way the natural person is. All is about this material world. Only what he or she can perceive with their five senses. So it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? When you think about how the natural person responds or reacts to spiritual things. Paul says the man or woman without the spirit, the natural person, uh, doesn't accept or welcome spiritual things. They make no sense to him or her. They are foolishness to him or to her. And so we need to understand that. And that is how all of us come into the world. All, I, I, I heard we're, I think this month, the world's going to hit 8 billion people. Did you know that? If it hadn't already, very soon. And, and scholars estimate, I, I, I'm interested in things like this. I you know, look up things like this, notions that come into my head. How many people have lived on the world? Nobody really knows. But estimates range from 50 to 100 billion people over the course of time. And every one of those 50 to 100 billion people have come into the world as a natural man. The Bible says in Romans that we inherit the sin nature from our parents, Adam and Eve. And so that's, the, that's why the word natural is so appropriate. It's our natural state as we come into this, this world. So the question is, are you a natural Person? Are you a person who's uh, been born only into the uh, natural world and is blind to the spiritual world and bound to the material world? The natural person. What's the second kind of person that Paul talks about here in this passage? Uh, are a spiritual person. Are you a spiritual person? We all like to say, yes, Pastor Tim, I'm in church, aren't I? Pastor Tim, I'm watching your live stream. Of course I'm a spiritual person. Okay, well, let's look at some of the characteristics of a spiritual person. First of all, a spiritual person lives by the Spirit. A spiritual person is one who, it says here, has received the Spirit of God. It says that in verse 12. He has been born from above. He has been invaded by the Holy Spirit. You see, Christianity is not just believing in something. Belief is important. But Christianity is not just believing in something. It's receiving someone. It's a new life. It's a divine invasion. Christianity is not a creed. It's not a code. It's not a cause. It's not a church. It is Christ in you. I'll say that again. Christianity is not a code. It's not a cause. It's not a creed. It's not a church. It's Christ in you. The spiritual person has received the spirit of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He lives in us by his spirit. Jesus said, when I ascend to the Father, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And so the spirit comes to live within us. You know, we pentecostals we believe in us in a, in, a, in a, a a work subsequent to salvation called the baptism in the holy spirit where the baptism where the holy spirit uh, as Jesus has has poured out comes into us and 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 fills us to overflowing. And because of that, some have incorrectly said, well, until you have that experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which we believe and we preach strongly, it's clearly taught in the Word of God. But some have mistakenly said, until you have that experience, you don't have the Holy Spirit within you if you're a Christian. That Nothing could be further from the truth. The Word of God says it's the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. It's the Holy Spirit who draws us to Jesus. And so every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit within him or her. It's the Spirit who draws us. We live, we receive eternal life through the work of the Holy Spirit. We live by the Holy Spirit. A spiritual person lives by the Spirit. Verse 12 says we have received the Spirit who is from God. You see, Christianity, listen to me, Christianity doesn't just make you a polished-up version of what you were before. I'll say that again. Christianity doesn't just make you a polished-up, spruced-up version of what you were before. It fundamentally changes who you are. A spiritual person lives by the Spirit. So when you get saved, you don't just become a nice character, you become a new person creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? That's what we sang about this morning. Hallelujah. Thank God for the work of the Spirit in our lives. A spiritual person lives by the Spirit. Secondly, a spiritual person learns from the Spirit. Notice beginning in verse 12 and following, it says, we have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths and spiritual words. The man without the Spirit, as we've read, does not accept the things that come from God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, because he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, a spiritual person not only lives by the Spirit of God, but he or she learns from the Spirit of God. The spiritual person learns things that you cannot learn in school. He or she learns from the Spirit. The natural person with all of his or her wisdom, with all of his or her philosophical sophistication, can never figure out God. Can a person, by reasoning, find out all about God? I don't think so. No, they cannot. Verses 9 and 10 from this chapter, which we didn't read, but they tell us that God's spirit reveals things we can't know naturally. They are spiritually discerned. Now, this doesn't mean we just sit around and do nothing. I'm a spiritual person, so God, go ahead, zap me, pour it into me. Doesn't mean that. Uh, The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul instructed Timothy, his son in the faith, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. You see, there's a wonderful balance here. Uh, You need to learn that there is a difference between spirituality and maturity. You may be instantly spiritual. When we receive Christ, we become that spiritual person, but we're not instantly mature. So it's possible to be a spiritual person, but not necessarily spiritually mature at that time. To be spiritual does not mean to be perfect. <laughs> not by a long shot. How many would agree with that? Can you imagine being the burden of saying, I'm a spiritual person, I have to be Perfect. Man, that would be crushing. Spiritual, being a spiritual person doesn't mean you're instantly mature, doesn't mean you're perfect. But I will say this, whether or not a spiritual person is mostly mature or immature at the moment, he or she is at least in the process, this is very important, at least in the process of maturing. Do we understand that? When, 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 when we come to Christ, when the Spirit of God Uh, brings our dead spirits to life and we become Christians. We are spiritual babies. But we should be in the process of maturing of becoming mature. We should be learning. That's very important. We expect babies to look and sound like babies, but over time we expect them to grow and develop and mature, don't we? Because they're being fed and they're being trained. When a scripture or biblical principle comes alive to you, it is the Holy Spirit who inspired the writing of God's Word who reveals it to you. But for that to happen, you need to walk with the Lord. You need uh, to learn from the Spirit uh, when, and you do so when you submit yourself to the Spirit and to the discipline of getting into the Word of God. But it doesn't happen through our natural abilities. The spiritual person learns from the Spirit. Thirdly, not only does the spiritual person live by the Spirit and learn from the Spirit, the spiritual person is liberated by the Spirit. Uh, we sang this morning, The sun Sets Free is free indeed. Amen. Verse 15 of this same chapter, 1 Corinthians 2, says, The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Now what does that mean? Well, you see, the spiritual man is free to make a proper judgment. The word translated judgment here means discernment. It's a legal term. It's like a lawyer who takes evidence and he examines the evidence and then after he examines the evidence, he makes certain judgments. The spiritual person is a member, a citizen of two worlds. And so he can see things in their proper perspective. He uh, is uh, not blind to the spiritual world or bound to the material world like the natural man. He's a citizen of two worlds and he can see things in their proper perspective that's the reason hebrews 11:26 says of moses he regarded disgrace for the sake of christ as of greater value than the treasures of egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward you see moses had discernment he had an ability that freed him from being bound up by the material so he could live in the spiritual when a person is a spiritual person, he or she is liberated by the Spirit of Christ. Uh, he or she knows the truth and the truth sets them free. And so we're able to see, as spiritual people, see things in proper perspective. Do you remember before you were saved and if, if uh, spiritual matters were mentioned or you heard a sermon or a Christian talk to you and you just heard it and you were like you were the natural man, you said, man, that is crazy. That that is is whacked, you know? That doesn't make sense. Remember that? And then you became a Christian, and the same concepts were presented to you, and you said, oh, now I get it. Ever have that experience? Now I get it. Why? Because you have been liberated by the Spirit of God. You have proper spiritual perception. But notice the rest of that verse, and I really want to hone in on this. Speaking of the spiritual man, it says he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. Now what does that mean? Does it mean that nobody, if you're a spiritual person, nobody will ever criticize you? (laughs) You know the answer to that. Not by a long shot. They'll criticize the daylights out of you. As a matter of fact, they'll do it more probably. But what it means is that word discernment. He is judged. He is discerned by no man. It means that the natural person will never understand you if you're a spiritual person. The unsaved world cannot understand what makes a Christian tick. They can't understand what makes a Christian operate. They can't understand what motivates a Christian. You give 10% of your income to your church? Are you crazy? You take a week of your hard-earned vacation and spend your money and go on a missions trip? Are you out of your mind? You go sit in a church service every morning when you can be out enjoying the nice weather? Well, we had nice weather up until today, right? I don't get it. They don't get us. And you know what? We, some of us keep waiting for that. Day. Well, if I just explain. If I, they will never get you. The natural person will never understand what makes the spiritual person tick. If we could just get that into our understanding. Because they can't see it. Uh, they're on a different wavelength. And they, they, the, you know, the spiritual person marches to the beat of a different drummer. Don't ever expect this world to understand you. I like the way one person put it. You're a twice-born person in a world of once-born persons. But that's all right. Everybody say, that's all right. Because if we're spiritual, we know where we're going. We can see things clearly. We know how it is. Not, we don't say that like we're superior or we're, we're self-righteous. It's, it's not about that. We're all sinners saved by grace. But God's spirit has set us free to understand what's going on. And the world will never understand us. As it says in verse 9 and 10 of this chapter, no one, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And some people read that and stop right there. But the rest of the verse says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. So if you're a person who has been made alive by God's spirit and learns from God's spirit, you're also liberated by God's spirit from being subject to what the natural person thinks about you. Because they will never understand you. That's the kind of person I want to be, amen? A spiritual person who lives by the Spirit, who learns from the Spirit, is in the process of maturing and is liberated from uh, being concerned about what people think about me. Because as long as I'm living, doing my best to live according to the Word of God and what the Spirit reveals to me, I don't have to worry. I'm free from worrying about what other people think. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that powerful? So there's the natural person and the spiritual person. Pastor Tim, what's the third kind of person? What's the third uh, possible answer to the question, who are you? It's this, are you a carnal person? Carnal person, the first four verses of chapter 3 talk about that. In verse uh, number 1 of chapter 3, the word translated worldly here in the NIV means fleshly. The New American Standard Bible translates it men of flesh." And the King James Version translates it with the English word carnal, which is related to the word carnivore. You know what a carnivore is? A flesh-eating animal. So Paul here says that he wanted to address the Corinthian church as spiritual people, but he could only address them as carnal or fleshly. Now, some people think, well, they, they must not have been real believers. That's not the case because he refers to them here, the very first word in chapter 3, brothers. Paul is writing to Christians. So he calls them brothers, but he can only refer to them as carnal or fleshly, not spiritual. Why? Because they don't live like spiritual people. And that's the definition of a carnal or fleshly person. A person who has been saved, they have had the experience of a spiritual person, but they don't live like it. Carnal, fleshly. What are some characteristics of the carnal or fleshly person? First of all, they are hindered by delayed development. They are hindered by delayed development. Paul says he can only address the Corinthians as mere infants in Christ. They started their Christian experience as spiritual babies, just like spiritual people do. But unlike spiritual people, they have not matured in the things of God. And some Christians are like that. They get saved, but they don't submit to God's Spirit on a regular basis. They don't absorb the principles of God's Word and live them out in their daily lives. And so basically, they stay at the same spiritual level they were as baby Christians. Even if they've been saved for decades. One might say, oh, I accepted the Lord 30 years ago. I have 30 years of spiritual experience. No, you don't. You've lived one year of spiritual experience 30 times. Why? Because they haven't matured. One pastor referred to carnal Christians as gray-headed babies. And a lot of times pastors, here's here's a little inside baseball here, here's a little little, little inside look. Sometimes pastors feel like instead of uh, leading a church, they're running a spiritual nursery. Pastor Tim, that's harsh. That's the reality. Hindered by delayed development have been been made alive by the Spirit of God, but don't mature, don't progress, and and still at that spiritual baby stage. What's the second characteristic of a carnal person, a carnal Christian? Uh, They are limited to a deficient diet. Limited to a deficient diet. In verse 2, Paul said, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. What's he talking about? Well, there are three stages of feeding. First of all, you have to be fed. You have to be fed. You know, babies have to be fed. They can't feed themselves. Secondly, you learn how to feed yourself. And the third stage is you're able to feed others. But Paul said, I still have to feed you. I still have to give you your baby food, spiritually speaking. I have to give you your strained beets and carrots. I can't give you steak and potatoes. You can't go into the Word of God and dig it out for yourself. And above all things, we couldn't give you a class to teach because you can't teach someone else. All the energy that the church ought to have going out and reaching lost people is sometimes sapped when the pastor and leadership have to become spiritual nursemaid taking care of gray-headed babies. Carnal Christians don't have a desire to get into the deep things of God, to understand deep spiritual truths. For example, I'll give you an example. When you preach about what Paul said in Philippians 3.10, he said this, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That's pretty deep, isn't it? And when you preach on that sort of thing, the carnal fleshly Christian either tunes you out totally or says, I don't want to hear that. Preach about love or faith or prosperity or something that's going to make me feel good. I want to feel good when I leave church. I I get the best, man, when I preach on faith, I get the best responses, I'll tell you. If If I'm ever just kind of feeling a little, you know, down about myself, I just say, well, preach a faith message this Sunday. You'll get a lot of compliments. I'm being facetious, but only partly. Faith is a powerful message. I love, I love to preach on it. This today's message is a lot harder to preach. But you get what I'm saying. The carnal person says, "Hey, don't preach on those deep things. Don't preach about sacrifice and sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Preach about, you know, love, faith and prosperity. I want to feel good." The writer of the Hebrews also referred to this in Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14. He said, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, um, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. So the carnal person is hindered by delayed development, spiritually immature, limited to a deficient diet, milk, not solid food. What's the third characteristic of the carnal person? He or she is inclined to cause destructive division. Hello? Okay. He or she is inclined to cause destructive division. Look at verses 3 and 4 of chapter 3. He says, You are still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says I follow Paul and another I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? They were having conflict over who their favorite preacher was, of all things. Can you imagine that? Some like Paul or Apollos here. Chapter 1 also references this division. It, it references Peter as well. And chapter 1 also tells us that some sanctimoniously said, well, you know, I don't follow any of those guys. Peter, Apollos, Paul. I follow Christ. Boy, that sounds really uh, self-righteous, uh, doesn't it? And all this, Pastor him. this sounds ridiculous. Of course it does. That's the point. That's the carnal person. It's ridiculous. It's immature. It's worldly. It's fleshly. And Paul says it got to the point where it caused jealousy, quarreling, and division in the church. And in the 21st century, we think we're so sophisticated, but in the 21st century, the things that church members divide over are often no less petty, no less ridiculous, and no less immature. They don't sing the songs I like. I wish the preacher would preach something different. I don't like the way they ran this event. I don't like the way they do things. And the sad thing is that carnal Christians don't seem to mind, in the least, the divisions these attitudes cause. Carnal Christians are easily offended. They'll leave a church over the slightest offense. They have little to no understanding of the concept of God placing them in a church body where they're committed to serving and being more focused on what they contribute than on what they receive. No concept at all. They've been saved, but they're not spiritual. They're fleshly. They're carnal. Heard about a humorous birthday card That said, This, it said, You are only young once, but you can be immature forever. How true that is. And so we have three types of people. Did you see yourself in this description? If so, then who are you? A natural person? was born only into the natural world blind to the spiritual world and bound to the material world if that's the case I want you to know whether you're here in the sanctuary or watching online that Jesus loves you and wants to come into your life and make you spiritually alive And even though a natural person does not respond to spiritual things, there is something, there is a void in the heart of a natural person that knows they need something. And only Jesus Christ can supply that something. If you're a natural person, the Lord loves you and wants to bring your spirit alive in Him. Are you a spiritual person who lives by the Spirit, learns from the Spirit, and is liberated by the Spirit? If so, thank God that He has made you spiritually alive. Keep maturing by learning from the Spirit as you submit to Him and dig into God's Word and be liberated from the notion that everyone needs to understand what makes you tick. The natural person just won't understand. Thirdly, if you were to be honest with yourself, are you a carnal person who is hindered by delayed development? by an immaturity, limited to a deficient spiritual diet and inclined to cause destructive division. If so, it's time to grow up. It's time to mature in the things of God. And that will only happen if you get serious about the things of God. Now, I want to say something as I close here today. Uh, No one is 100% spiritual. No Christian is 100% spiritual or 100% carnal. Okay? Even the most spiritual among us, we have our carnal moments, right? Romans 7 says we battle the flesh. And I would not say that even a person who would be considered carnal never has a spiritual moment, can never learn anything, or can never show any sign of maturity. But the point of these descriptions is that. One's life can be mostly characterized by one or the other. The natural man is the natural man. He needs to be made alive by the Spirit of God. The spiritual person uh, begins as a spiritual baby, but begins the process of maturing, the ongoing process of maturing. The carnal person becomes a Christian, a spiritual baby, but doesn't progress for the most part beyond that. So, who are you? Who are you today? We are the person God's word says we are. Let's all commit to being the people he wants to make of us and the people he wants us to be. Now, how might these different people, as I close, respond to a message like this? Well, a natural person might say, that is the biggest bunch of foolishness I've ever heard. I can't believe I wasted my time listening to that guy spout this stuff. Total nonsense. The spiritual person might say, well, you know, some of that was hard to hear, but I needed to hear it. I accepted it as truth from the word of God. Carnal person, carnal Christian might say, oh, Pastor Tim really offended me today. He really ticked me off saying those things about me. I, I, I have news, if... If something I said, you took as me saying it about you, then maybe it applies and you needed to hear it. Just saying. Just saying. I love you. I hope you still love me. You can't take your pastor appreciation gifts back. It's too late. I love you. Listen, we're... we're we're, we're, all, we're all on a journey. We're all on a road. Amen. None of us have arrived, but thank God. Thank God we are who he says we are.